0: Good evening. Thank you for coming. Um, tonight's class was dedicated by Mrs. Miriam Fishman, and this is in honor of her mother's yard site, Bas Yerachal Bashmul, Allah Hashalam, Bas Shmuel Hirsch, Allah Hashalam, whose yard site is the 22nd of Teves, which is tonight. May her neshama have a very great aliyah to the greatest, greatest of heights. May she channel lots of rachas to you both in the material and in the spiritual, much, much blessings and only, only good and simcha and only, only wonderful things. Uh, tonight's class was also dedicated by Ariel and Aliza Haratz, and this is in honor of Aliza's father's yard which is going to be on Friday, the 25th of Teves. Mordechai ben Yaakov Olova Shalom, may his neshama have a great aliyah to the greatest of heights, may he channel lots of brachas to you and the entire Haratz family, the children, a lot of nachas from them, Parnasa Barachava, and only, only wonderful, 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 good things, good health, and only good things. Another dedication tonight was by Rami Duwek from La Brea Bagel, and this is an honor also of his father's yard site. That's going to be on Shabbos, the twenty sixth of Teves. Shimon Ben Moshe Olav May his neshama have the greatest aliyah to the greatest of heights, and may he channel lots of brachos to you. For only, only, only good and big, 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 big blessings beyond, beyond what you can imagine. Um, And Be'ezus HaShem, very soon we're commemorating all the Yard Sites. Um, It should be over for Yard Sites and we should start counting for the time when all the Neshamas came back down to live here in this world. Which is happening, Be'ezus HaShem, very, very quickly. Be'ezus HaShem, thank you. Okay, so this week is Parshas Vo'era. And um, we're in the midst of the story of Yetzirah mitzrayim. Now, on Thursday is the yard site of Rav Shneir Zalman of Liadi. So first I want to announce Matzah Shabbos this week, in honor of Rav Shneir Zalman of Liadi's yard site, the Balatanya, in which we study so much, his teachings, uh, all the time. So we're going to have a great Malava Malka. Everybody's invited. Uh, this is the third in our series called The Lives of Tzadikim. So this is going to be... Matzah Shabbos over here at Mayon. we have a kumzitz, music, and very, very, very special time. So come, uh, bring your friends. It'll be very uplifting, very powerful. I uh, hope everybody can join. So in the honor of the site of the Balatanya, who I consider my teacher, all well, most of my uh, knowledge and all that comes from the Alter Rebbe, from the consequential rabbeim after him. So um, we'd like to dedicate the class to the Alter Rebbe by sharing a powerful, powerful teaching from the Alter Rebbe, uh, which we studied this past Thursday night, and I'd like to share it with the audience of the Monday night class, those who don't have necessarily the abilities to sit for a three-hour class. So this is the synopsis and the gist of it. If you'd like to hear the longer version, please tune into myon.com and go to the class beginning with the words which we learned on this past Thursday night. Okay, so here's a synopsis. And it's another reason why I'm learning it is because the subject that has been over here recently has always been connecting to current times. Uh, we are very, 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 very close to the coming of Mashiach. We sense the vibrations of Mashiach. Stronger and stronger and stronger from day to day, so we have to get ourselves uh, more and more into Mashiach's consciousness. Which, by learning the Torah of Mashiach and the light and understanding Mashiach, that helps Mashiach come to the world and helps us all transition into Mashiach's Mashiach's um, Mashiach's world. Okay, so in in this week's parsha, the subject is giulah and this week's parasha, primarily parsha's Veera. The Begulah, the redemption of Egypt, begins last week. Hashem sends Moshe Rabbeinu to redeem the Jewish people. However, right in the end of the parasha, it gets very, very difficult and very, very hard, excruciatingly painful, to the point that Moshe, you say, blurts out when he's talking to God and he kind of speaks in a little bit of a disrespectful way as he cries out to the Abishter and he says, Why have you done bad to your people? To the, to the fact that Hashem has to answer him and explain to him that it looks like it's getting worse, and it is getting worse, and I feel their pain, but you should know I'm about to do something so spectacular, and the only way to get to that spectacular goodness is through the pain and through the suffering. And you just wait. This week's parasha is where God begins to take down Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He begins to take Pharaoh down by bringing the plagues. But in this week's parasha, we don't yet accomplish the redemption We accomplished just seven of the plagues. Paroi's heart is breaking. His resistance is dissipating. But as he is ready to give in, God continues to strengthen his heart. And he keeps on saying no, 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 and no. And then finally, next week's Torah portion is when he gets the final devastating blow. The last three plagues. But finally, the devastating blow of the the, the, the plague of the firstborn where he can't... Any more, hold back, and he has to let the Jewish people out. Okay, so this week's parish is very unique because this week's parish you're having the, the 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 geulah is in full swing. There is coming plague after plague after plague, but you're still experiencing powerful resistance. It's not happening. Boom and no. Yeah and no. And it almost looks like he's going to let us out, and he doesn't. Now it's interesting. The passage keeps on referring to this. Not in, so. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to really look through all the psukim, Not so much in this week's parsha, but in parshas in, in in later parshas where the Torah talks about this resistance, the stubbornness of Paro, the Torah refers to it as Hiksha Hashem libo. When Hashem hardened his heart, it uses the word hiksha. This week's parsha keeps on using the word Hashem. He strengthened his heart. Hiksha means he hardened his heart. So what is the significance of this Hiksha? Why was there such a hardening? What's this hardening? What's the meaning of the hardening? Um, So to understand this, uh, this is really, really a a fascinating idea. And that is when we take a look in the Navi um, in various different places that we spoke about it last week, the Navi compares the going out of Egypt to a birth. The Navi refers to the the, the Egyptian um, uh, redemption as the time when the Jewish people are being born. And very, very, very strong words in Seife Yecheskel. And I was opening it up to get the page, and I had intended to do that, and I didn't. So the Pasuk says over there, mamish, it's very, very, very descriptive. And where the Psukim are speaking about, I've seen you, I've seen you wallowing in the blood, the blood of childbirth. The and I said to you, in your, in your blood you will live. In the blood you will live. It speaks over there of God cutting the umbilical cord. So the birth is very, very graphic. Description in, parasha, in, in Sefer Yechezkel about the birth about Yitzias Mitzrayim being compared to a baby being born. On the simple level, it is the birth is the birth of the Jewish people. That's on the simple level. However, um, when we take a look a little deeper, we get an amazing, a much deeper understanding that the birth that that Yitzias Mitzrayim represents. And also, when we talk about the redemption that's going to be beezes Hashem, the of mamish, literally, very, very, very soon is also compared to a birth. We all are familiar with the terms chevlei Moshiach. And chevlei Moshiach means the birth pangs of Mashiach. This is a series of events which generally is described in the Prophets and then in the Talmud as very, very, very difficult and harsh time for the Jewish people, in which the Jewish people go through extreme persec- difficulties and hardships, and the world in general is going through a very, very, very difficult time, and the sages say you should know, or as we know, that this is the birth pangs of Mashiach. Which is so we and that's why there were always people that were afraid of the coming of Mashiach, because we, people knew that just like a birth it is, is, is there is the pain of going into labor, and it's one of the worst, the worst pains in the world, excruciating pain is labor pains, so so too. The world, there is cosmic labor pains. As the world enters into the messianic era. as as Moshiach is about to come, the world experiences powerful, powerful contractions. And these contractions are the contractions of birth. So this is what we find all over in regards to our redemption, the redemption of Mitzrayim. This explains also why the most extreme contractions happen moments before birth. And that is because that's at that time, when the, when the birth canal or the uterus has to open and the baby needs to be born so the most powerful contractions is bringing about and allowing for the birth to happen so that's why we also find when Moshe Rabbeinu complains to God and Moshe says to Hashem Lama um, why have you done bad to the people and God says now you will see so there too you see that that, 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 that the, the exile in Egypt was terrible The suffering the Jewish people had during the entire duration of Mitzrayim was really, really bad. But as bad as it was, it reached a a whole new level of pain and of, of, of unbearable pain. Right before the right before the the coming the, the right before the the geula that came through Moshe Rabbeinu, but right before Paro said he's going to hold back the he's not giving them any straw they need to collect the straw that means that the workload was double or maybe even more than that and that just they couldn't handle it they were they worked already to their beyond their limits before and now he added that and the Jews were just being 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 they were they, they were in, in, in incomprehensible suffering. And that's because it's that extreme pain that comes as the Moshiach, or as the Giulah is happening, there is an extra, extra powerful, extreme uh, labor pains, and that's the pain. Now we find something else that is really, really interesting. When the Abishta tells Moshe Rabbeinu um, that I'm going to take you out of Egypt, take the Jewish people out of Egypt, in the first encounter, so if you go back to Shamos, last week's Torah portion, and we speak about the first encounter that God has with Moshe. So it says over here as follows. Hashem says, ro, ro, This is what the Abish tells him. No Avram, leke Yitzhak, leke I am God of your father, Avram, father of Avram, father of Yitzhak, father of Yaakov. And Moshe Rabbeinu covers his face when he comes you know, encounters the burning bush. Hashem, and Hashem says, roi, Isis, yes, oni, ami, I've seen the pain of my people. Asher Mitzrayim and Mitzrayim, and their cries, I've heard from those that are, are oppressing them. I know their pain. The I have descended to save them, Yad from the hands of the Egyptians. and to bring them up from the land from from the land of Egypt. And where am I taking them? al to a land, a good land, a broad land. To a land that flows milk and honey. And then he tells them the land, which land that is. The land of the Knani, Chiti Amori, Prizi, Chivivisi, These are the Vivivusi. These are the, those nations that lived in the land of Israel uh, before the Jewish people came into it. The question I have over here tonight is... Um, what's this business with a land of milk and honey? Okay, we know Israel is a special land, and we know in other places there are seven minim, there are seven special fruits that Israel was blessed with. Chitos, oira, gefen, wheat, barley, wine. I understand olive groves. These are wonderful things, olive groves. And and, and to have blessed with wine and an abundance of grain. I mean, Israel is a fatty land, a wonderful, wonderful land. And part of that idea is a land that flows milk and honey. What's the milk and honey? The milk is that the pasture lands are really good for the animals. So the animals are well fed. If the animals are well fed, then they have a lot of milk. The goats have a lot of milk. And honey, the honey comes from the dates. Yeah, but if you characterizing the land of Israel, why? and we all know that's, like, that's, a, that's a very famous phrase. Zavas A land that flows milk and honey. What is so significant about a land of milk and honey? Children need milk. How much, how much people need milk? How much milk do we have? We have milk with a little bit of... You have milk with your coffee every day, you know, a little bit of milk. What's this great wonder? If we don't have so much milk, we have less milk. What's this big idea of having a land of milk and honey? So, of course, on the simple level, uh, we're not talking about tonight, but to get into a deeper understanding of the land of milk and honey. Based on what we had just mentioned... And we can, uh, the, the, uh, that the birth, that Itzias Mitzrayim is considered a birth. I mean, the Jewish people are, or that there is a birth happening now. So we can understand that after a birth, what is necessary immediately after for the baby, after the baby is born, that the baby needs to nurse. And that's why Itzias Mitzrayim, Egypt itself, is considered the womb. That's where the baby is being developed. In the pain, in the suffering, in the hardship of the hundreds of years of exile is where the baby is being, is being developed and that's the discomfort of pregnancy. As it gets close to the end of the exile comes an ex- in a, a period of intense hardship and difficulty and that hardship and that difficulty is called chevlei moshiach, labor pains. And what happens by a woman in her labor pains Is that the uterus or the body, the womb becomes constricted. It becomes, in other words, it's it's doing the opposite of having the baby. In order for the baby to be born, it needs to become loose so that the baby can like leave and go out. But the but the contractions of labor cause a a stiffening, so to speak, of the body. And if you're thinking about it, that's exactly what the pasuk, the exactly what the Torah is describing. Regarding regarding Paro, the Torah is describing Rabbi Paro that he kehicha leshalcheinu. You know the Hebrew word for a woman that's having a hard time with labor, that woman that's having a hard time giving birth. She's called a makasha laylaid. She's having makasha. Makasha means her body is stiff. So she's not loosening up to have the child. It's called mekasha lele. So take a look at how the pasuk uses the exact same words in paro vayikehik Paro is the is the is the constrictor. He's constricting the birth. He's not allowing it to happen. It's the stiffening up. It's the that's the contractions. Not allowing the birth to take place. And then finally we have the breakthrough. So it's interesting if we were to take a look at this week's parsha. Parsha's vaera. It's the, in Paris era, you have the contraction and the thrust. The contraction and the thrust. The seven machas. Each one is the breaking through as we are about to break through. And, and, and enable the birth to happen. That's the, that's, that, that's the birth. But after all of that, the next stage is there's a baby. Now you have to feed the baby. So where is the baby going to be fed? The baby has to go to the mother... The mother will nurse the baby. The mother nursing, that's the land of Israel. That's the mother's breast. That's where the mother is nursing her child. Israel, Eretz Yisrael is the land, Zavas Chalavudvash, is the milk that is being given to this newborn baby that has been born in order for the baby to nurse. Wow, this takes the entire parsha of parsha Shmoiz Ve'era and, it, and, and boy, and this whole procedure into a whole new level. But let's understand a little bit better, what does this mean? There is a baby being born, and, and, and that this baby, the exile, is a pregnancy, a pregnancy with a baby, and the baby has to be born, and then the baby, and there's the pangs of labor, and so on and so forth, and that's a, an exile for the Jewish people. What's the baby exactly? Who is the baby? And what is this baby that needs to be nursed? What's the whole process? So the idea is like this. We know that the Jewish people are referred to as God's wife, okay? we are referred to as the abishter's kala god's bride is the husan the god is the groom and we're the wife simply a husband is a mashpia he's an influencer he's the one he's the one providing the wife is the recipient she's the vessel she's the recipient she's the one receiving and also in their primary or one of their primary aspects of them getting married they can build a family together so in that relationship of having a child the man transmits to the woman the woman receives conceives from her husband and then she is the one that develops the child and then the child is born. So spiritually, what does this mean in our relationship with God? So in our relationship with Hashem, it's as follows. What does it mean when a father is going to have a child or a family is going to have a child? It means the father wants to duplicate himself. It's, the child is, what we say, a child is really, the Torah refers to a child as an extension of the father. Bra karadavia. The child is the leg of the father. So the process of a child, is, of having a child, is the parent, the father, is duplicating himself, He's, right? And that process is done through the mother. And in in, so spiritually, what does that mean? God wants to duplicate himself. Now, chas does not mean a duplication, it's only one God. What does that mean? See, the truth of the or the truth of God, is not experienced within creation. When God creates the world, when Hashem creates the world, the process of creation is a process of divine concealment, not a process of divine revelation. Because in order, Hashem's truth is one of Hashem is the, the true name of Hashem is the name Yud Kevavkei, the tetragrammaton of God. The trep tetragrammaton is the name of Hashem Yud Kevavkei, four letter uh, uh, of Hashem's name. And we know that those four letters, if you think in what these words mean, is we refer to that name sometimes as. Shem Havaya, the name of, Hashem, of Havaya, and, and, and it's actually the theme of this week's Torah portion, right at the beginning, the era, God says that to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, And Moshe Rabbeinu complained, and Hashem said, Moshe said, why are you making them suffer? And Hashem said, I appeared to Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov with my name Shakai, Shin yud which means enough, Shedai, enough. But I never revealed to him my name, yud K vav my, my true inner name. And now I want to reveal the Yudke Vavke. What's the deeper meaning? The deeper meaning is God is saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to understand something. We need to have a baby. The baby that's going to be born is the baby. Who's the baby? The baby is Havaya, Yudke Vavke. We need to bring, I want to reveal within the world my truth, who I really am. Yudke Vavke. That means it's like a child of me, someone representing who's going to contain and have within himself my truth. Which means my truth needs to be inserted into the world. Because initially, when God creates the world, God creates the world by dimming his light, by concealing his light. And what do we mean he's dimming his light? Hashem is deal, dimming his infinity. His infinite, is beyond. Because the word havaya, if you look at the word, is he was, he is, and he will be. That's the word. Which means altogether, there's no time and space. He's infinitely beyond time and space. When he creates the world, he creates this construct of time and space by what? By hiding and limiting his infinite, powerful, transcendental truth and only revealing a little, little constricted energy of him as he becomes a source of time and space. That source that the Ebrister reveals to the world is through the name of Elohim. The name of Elohim. That's the name of Hashem. Elohim means... Um, judge, power, power of God in the world, but not God's true power. His power as a creator of a finite world of time and space, but not his true transcendental infinite self. Another name of God related to creation is the name Shakai. Because when it says, when God created the world... Hashem yelled, Shedai, die, it is enough. Why is God God called Shakai? Because when he created the world, it says the heavens were expanding and expanding and expanding, and then the Abishtha said, Die, enough. So you see that the word die, which is the root of the word Shakai, Shindalid Yud, means that the Abishtha is limiting himself. He's limiting himself. That means that within creation, the only godliness that we could, first of all, in creation itself, if we don't look, if we don't search, if we're not, if we're not, if we're not actively searching, it seems like one can believe that the, there is no creator. And the world just runs on a, uh, some natural system called Mother Nature, and there's no, there no higher power directing it. That's number one. Even if someone does recognize and come to an understanding that there must have been a creator, what he can deduce and understand from the creation is only the finite energy of God that is invested in creation. Only the name of Elohim, or only the name of Shakai, or only the name of Aleph Dalid Nun Yud, Adoy, the way we refer to him, Ado, da Nai, that name of God. That name of God is a name that we can see within creation, because that's the name Adon. Adon means master, master over the world. But the yud Vavki, that's what Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu. The yud Vavki is the, the, my, the tetragrammaton, my true name, my infinite name, my boundless name, my true self, that no one knows. It's not been revealed. But I want to m- reveal that into the world. I want to make that become the reality of the creation. I want you to be able to experience my transcendental, infinite self. How is that going to happen? So the way it's going to happen is like this. It's going to happen through a yichud, a unification. God is going to have an intimacy with his wife. Who's his wife? His wife is the Jewish people, our souls. Because our souls are part of the Shekhinah. The Shekhinah is the limited godliness that God planted within the world when he created the world. That's the Shekhinah. Shekhinah is the power of God within creation. Yud Vavke is the power of God that transcends creation, the infinite. So the Srina is the power within creation. Now if God is, wants to reveal Havaya in the world, the Yutke Vavke in the world, he, how does he do it? He does that. He does that by having an intimacy with the Srina, just like a husband takes his, himself, takes the substance of his very soul in an intimacy, and that's what he transmits in that transmission when a man is giving to his wife. He's transmitting from his essence. And that essence of himself is later first, it's concealed within the woman as the woman is developing it into a child and then the child is born and everybody says, whoa, look how cute that looks just like his father. So what does that mean spiritually? The Eibishter is transmitting his Yutke Vavke energy to the shechina, to which means into our souls and then by us it's developing and then who is born? Moshiach is born. And Moshiach is the person, or the being, or the era, or the time, or the revelation. It's all together. It's all unified. Moshiach is that power and that light of God. That's the infinite transcendental light revealed through this person into the entire world. It was first revealed through Moshe Rabbeinu. He's the first of Moshiach. And as we know, what did Moshe reveal? Moshe revealed miracles. Moshe revealed the beyond time and space. Moshe... Through, you know what happened when Moshe Rabbeinu built us a, 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 uh, he built us ultimately, he built us a home for God, a mishkan. In that mishkan there was a, what we call a uh, ark, and in the ark was the tablets, but we know that the ark was an amazing thing. The ark didn't take up any space, but yet the ark did have spatial diameters. Uh, uh, the, the, um, what do you call it? Not the, amateurs, the, the, the Spatial dimensions. When they made the ark, gods gave specific dimensions. It should be two and a half cubits this long, one cubit like this, one and a, one and a half this way. One, uh, and yet, it says that the ark didn't occupy any space. So what was that? It was space and beyond space all mixed together. It was a, It was an absolute paradox. It was an oxymoron. It was something that can't be. Why? Because in that holy of holies, in that space... It's where a place where space was cancelled in the spacelessness of God. It was, it was like a place that's beyond time, beyond space. Why? Because God, the Yudkei Vofkei, was revealed in the Kodesh HaKadosh, in the Holy of Holies. Who captured it? Who brought it? Whose Mishkan is it? It's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is the product. He's, he's kind of the Redeemer that contains that Mashiach light, which is the light of the supernatural, the light of the miraculous, the light of the Yudkei Vofkei. And that's his neshama and his light. And through that he brings the Torah to the world. Which what is the idea of a, a mitzvah? The mitzvah and Torah is all, every mitzvah is all a manner in which we're connecting to the yutke vavke. When we, we as Jews learn and do mitzvahs, we don't realize it right now. But we're actually tapping into energy that completely transcends the universe. It transcends time and space. And we're actualizing it, we're connecting it to it. So, here's, so that's the idea. So now, when did this pregnancy take place? Here's an amazing thing. We have to say that sometime in the mimer, in the discourse, he's not exactly clear when the actual conception took place. He describes the exile as a time of ibur, a time of pregnancy. But there had to be a conceiving in order for the pregnancy to happen. I thought, and again, this is my own, so I'm, I'm saying it to say that it's my own because I can't, say, the absoluteness of it, but based on what is brought in Hasidus and many other places, that until Avramavinu, Avinu, it says that there was no unification, there was no intimacy between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the Shekhinah. Even though God was passing and delivering energy to the Shekhinah, into the creation, it was considered a back-to-back kind of a relationship. There was no intimate connection bond. But from Avram Avinu and onward, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, who served God with such love and with such, in other words, God fell in love with his wife, with his with his beautiful bride, which was the Shekhinah embedded in our souls or our souls expressions of the Shekhinah. And then you had that that caused this yichud, this intimacy, and at some point, that's the idea of the pregnancy that happened. But once there was a pregnancy, now we go down to gullus because the baby is going to be developed. Where is the baby developed? In the womb. And that, that was Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is considered the womb, the place. And that's why, just like a mother, suffers tremendously during that pregnancy. and she, I mean, it's very discomfort. And there's all the discomforts of, of, of being pregnant. There's morning sickness, and there's and then schlepping, and the hot, and the this. And there's all that that goes on during the pregnancy. That's the pain and suffering that the Jewish people had for a few hundred years of the exile. What are we, what's the seed, so to speak, that's being developed into a child? It's the seed of messianic light. It's the seed of, in the case of going out of Mitzrayim, it's the seed of the Torah and the mitzvahs that's going to be revealed to the world after Mashiach comes through Moshe Rabbeinu. In other words, the people were being pregnant with Mashiach. Because really the question he asks in the discourse is a simple question. He says, we speak about Hevlei Mashiach, the birth pangs of Mashiach. He asks a question, if it's the birth pangs of Mashiach, so why are we suffering those birth pangs? Let the mother of Mashiach have those birth pangs. Mashiach needs to be born. Let Mashiach's mother have that pain. And the answer is, we are the mother. That's the crazy idea here. We are all mothering Mashiach in our womb. The Jewish people are the mother of Mashiach. When Mashiach is born, it says, Today I have given born birth to you. What's that birth? Obviously it's a spiritual idea. Where the, the Mashiach, Mashiach's light is the birth, the birthing of the world. And, and what's that light? That's the light of the Yudkei Vavkei, of Hashem's name. Now he doesn't say this in the discourse, but it's mentioned in other discourses. If we've already had the birthing of God's light in this world, Yudke Vavke, revealed in this world already by Mitzrayim, so why do we have to have another pregnancy again and have another exile? It's possible to say again, I'm adding this in, based on what it's discussed in many other discourses, that in the Yutke Vavke, in the Tetragrammaton itself, we know there are two levels of Yutke Vavke. There is the Chitzonius, the external, and then there is the internal. Uh, like we say in in, in, in um, the thirteen attributes of mercy, we are familiar when we daven, we say Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachum Vakana. We repeat God's name two times. Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachom Vachana. Two times Yudke Vavke. So it says in the Zohar, one of them is a lower Yudke Vavke, and the other one is the higher Yudke Vavke. So it's like this. The revelation that happened by Yitzias Mitzrayim, even though, so to speak, God is born in the world, Yutke Vavke, Hashem's light is born in the world. It's the lower manifestation of the Yutke Vavke. It's not the ultimate Yutke Vavke. For that, we needed to become pregnant again, and we needed to go through an exile again. And going through the exile is the exile that we're going through now, which is a much longer exile than in Egypt. In Egypt, they were only there 210 years. Now we're there almost 10 times the amount of time. We're almost there 2,000 years already in exile. Why? The baby is being developed. Now let's take a look at a moment at the baby being developed and let's understand how that development takes place. The Talmud says an interesting thing. The Talmud says that the father is the one that's responsible for the bones, for the nails, and for the white that's in the eyes. That comes from the father. And it has to do, the father is giving, and the Gemara says like this, the Gemara says that the father and the mother, the the mother is primarily the contributor of what's red, the blood. The father is the main contributor of that, which is white. It has to do with the nature of male and female, which is man's energy, is masculine energy, is mainly kind, kind energy, which is white, chesed. And woman's energy is intense gvurah, longing, desire, fire. Woman is fire, man is water. And that's why the color of, of what the man is contributing in the child is white. What the mother is contributing to the child is red. What's the redness? So we, the Jewish people, are the wife. And God has given us a seed. A seed. It's interesting. It says in Svarim, this amazing thing. When did the, If the pregnancy then took place with Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and I don't know, I can't exactly pinpoint when we conceived, but I know one thing. When we went down into Egypt, the Jewish people then were developing the baby for a few hundred years. They were developing this child. Fine. Until it was born. And who was born... First Moshe Rabbeinu, but through Moshe Rabbeinu, eighty years later, it was Mashiach's light was born in the world, which is the Yud Kevafke of the Torah and the Mitzvahs. Ani Hashem, the Yud vav... it's almost like you say Hashem's child. Hashem is now projecting of Himself into our world. Fine, that was then. When was the conception in this galus? So it says in Sfarim, an interesting thing. It says that when the nations, when the Gentiles came into the temple to destroy it. They saw the two cherubs, the Keruvim, that they were embracing each other. And we know that the cherubs were male and female. And what they really represented was God and the Jewish people. And we know that the cherubs were like this. Whenever we were getting along with God, we were really in a state of love. Whenever whenever we had periods of time of romance... When Jews were really spiritual and really connected, we find that the the, the cherubs, the Keruvim, were all looking at each other. When Jews were misbehaving and we were we were kind of in a fight with God, we see like a husband and a wife that are turned back to back and they don't talk to each other. Okay, they're angry at each other. So God too turned away. But it says when the when the eggs, when the when the Gentiles came into the base of Me'od to destroy it, they saw the Keruvim hugging each other and connected to each other and the and the and the and the Gentiles laughed and they said see this is what the Jewish people worship because they took it as look the Jewish people why do they worship they were they they worship the sexual image this was their idea but but we know the real reason of that is it's representing the spiritual union between God and the Jewish people amazing but everybody asked the question hold it during the time of the, of, of the God was destroying, sending, banishing the Jewish people into exile, is a time of great anger. Why was, why was there an intimacy? That shouldn't reflect the time of intimacy. That should reflect the time of upsetness. So it says that a husband, before he leaves and travels, that before that, it's an obligation on a man to be intimate with his wife before he, before he travels. So it says that when God was really ready, to leave the Jewish people for 2,000 years and leave, her, leave his beloved wife alone, so, be, right before that, there was an intense love. That love was the birth of Mashiach. Not the birth, but the impregnation of Mashiach's soul into who? Into all of our souls. That means God plants the seed of Mashiach energy into every single one of us. That means there is a spark of Mashiach inside every single Jew. And now, during the time of the exile, it's our time to develop it. How do we develop that child? What's the development? So we need to take our blood to develop it. That's what the woman, the woman develops the child with her blood. That's why a woman, during the time that she's pregnant, she doesn't have any blood, she doesn't have any nidash, she doesn't have any menstruation, because her blood is all going in to the development of the child. So what's, what does that mean spiritually? What's blood? Blood represents excitement. It's the thousands of years that we are yearning for godly revelation. During the Gollus, what are we doing? We're, our blood is our excitement for Mashiach. We want Mashiach. We want that baby already. We're craving, we're waiting, like a woman waits for the nine months to be over. In a sense, when she waits for her baby, in a deeper sense, she's also waiting for her husband. Because her baby is her husband. She loves her husband. She loves her baby. It's all one idea. It's one, one aspect. She's waiting for the revelation. The revela- what's with the baby? The baby's inside her womb. It's hidden. It's concealed. Throughout thousands of years. Why is it that Mashiach has never been forgotten from the Jewish people? Why for thousands of years of the Jewish people, after so many times when we had our hopes high, after so many times that we thought Mashiach is coming and then it didn't happen and we got frustrated, but yet the Jewish people, whether it was during the fires of the Inquisition, whether it was the swords of the crusaders, whether it was the blood paths of Chemelinitski and the Kazakhs, whether it was in the gas chambers, Jews never stopped singing on imamin we believe we believe we believe and even though it didn't happen yet yet we believe how is it possible the answer is the babies inside our womb how can you not believe we're dealing with something is developing inside of us it's part of who we are it's not something on the outside we're not believing in some distant thing God's light is happening inside of us. The light of Mashiach is being produced inside the soul of each and every one of us. It's this powerful light that's going to rip through the cosmos. But where is it now? Inside me and inside you. Inside each and every one of us. Through our yearning for Mashiach. And through our deep, he explains, the meditative prayer in which we conceive, we wait, we want so much the revelation of Yutke Vavke, so much to experience God, but we can't experience God. We want so much to love Him, but we can't love Him. We want so much to feel Him, but we can't feel Him. That experience is all the blood. Blood is excitement. That collective blood of all the Jewish people yearning across the globe, that's the development of this Mashiach baby, of this Mashiach light. God gave us a seed, but we're developing it for thousands of years. And then comes, then comes the times of birth. As I mentioned earlier, the interesting thing uh, the, the, about birth is like this. Even though pregnancy is, discom- is uncomfortable... Pregnancy is a period of a lot of discomfort, but it's manageable. You know, it's manageable. You know, I'm comfortable, you, you figure it out. I mean, it's easy for me to say, but <laughs> it, it, it is, after all, it, it, it's a manageable. But, 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 childbirth, that's a whole different thing. Childbirth is already very extreme. The pains are very intense. But that happens right before the baby is born. What happens by childbirth? I mentioned earlier, what happens is contractions happen. And contractions cause the pain. And what is contractions? Contraction is, seems to be the opposite of the baby, as I mentioned earlier, the baby slipping out. The baby slipping out requires a certain expansion and openness. Contraction is a contraction. But the point is like this: in order for the for the birth canal to be big enough, large enough to allow the baby to go out, there has to be a counter force. There is something first that's cause, causing a contraction, which is causing pressure, and the pressure of the baby. On the, to, on the, in order to be, to be born, creates the opening. But the pressure is only created by a power pushing the baby further in. See what's happening? In other words, there's a power that's pushing the baby in, the opposite of what's supposed to happen. The baby's supposed to go out. Comes a force that's pushing in that's concealing the baby. What's, what's the difference between birth? Birth is revelation. This is concealment. A power that conceals. But that power of conceals creates an internal pressure that we will want this concealment. So the baby pushes, and that's what, causes the, that's what causes the birth to happen. So here's an amazing thing. Right before me, sometimes people wonder if Mashiach is supposed to be coming any minute. So why is it so dark? Why is it so dark? Both physically, we have so many, we hear stories, and this one, this tragedy, and that tragedy. And I'm not giving any excuses, there shouldn't be any tragedies, there shouldn't be any suffering. But people, a lot of times, they ask, how can it be that Mashiach is coming when there's so many difficulties and hardships happening in the world? On the one hand, we have today's day so many signs that Mashiach is happening any minute. But on the other hand, from time to time, there was a fire last week, and the Jews never got so a family, and I mean horrible things. And people say, oh. But in addition to that, it's mainly the spiritual darkness. You would expect that right before Mashiach is coming. And what's the definition of Mashiach? A time when Umola, Hashem, the world will be filled with knowledge. With such great knowledge, we can expect that we should already be so enlightened and we should already be so Mashiach. We should all be so excited about, and our, our passion and our love should be so spiritual, should be so fired up with a closeness to Hashem. And instead, what do we see? We're finding in our communities, people are sadly, people are, are, are like, feel that they're spiritually dead. No, 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 no excitement. Watching it generate children, children that are struggling. So many young people don't are not identifying with Judaism from 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 families in which they've grown up learning Torah, doing mitzvahs. Yet there's such this mysterious darkness that is paralyzing so many Jews, so many people, and we're wondering what is that? Why such darkness? Why such concealment? And the answer is, it's these contractions. Because when Right. A, a powerful force of concealment hits, and that creates an angst. That's the point. The whole point of it is to create an angst and a frustration. And the frustration causes Moshiach's light, which is within us, that we should push Mashiach out. For instance, let's say the Lubavitcher Rebbe, you see, take a look in his life, you see as he was doing whatever he can to bring Mashiach, but it got to the 1980s, he came up with a new... He said he created this, this organization called Sivas Hashem, the Army of Hashem, which is for children. And the main idea of this army and one of the main things it tries to do mitzvahs and everything, at the same time, he introduced a concept called that the children should cry out, we want Mashiach now and that the Jewish people should cry out, Ad Mosai. And a lot of people looked at the Rebbe and said like, why, why, why push? Let Mashiach happen. Let Mashiach happen whenever it's going to be happen. <laughs> a Rebbe is the neshama of all the Jewish people. He's the he's the, he's the root. Is a true tzaddik, a true Rebbe. is called, Is all neshamas are plugged into him. And therefore, when it comes, he's carrying the baby. <laughs> he feels that, pain of childbirth so, I means he feels the baby has to go he feels those labor pains and therefore he's telling us all all Yidden, all the Jewish people now is the time to push that's what you tell a woman push, get the baby out now is the time, the baby needs to be born we need to all that's why the rabbit is very interesting it was a talk where he gave where we were so frustrated and he said Yidden, what can I do to get you to cry you're not crying and even when you cry you cry because I'm telling you to cry not because you really cry and the Rebbe is crying, what is he saying? He's saying, Yidden, Yidden, let's push, let's get this baby out. But this is an unbelievable idea to understand that when we go through these hardships, this, that even though right before Mashiach thinks, it gets, like we always say, before it gets light, it gets darker. Always right before the, 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 the ultimate break, the ultimate, the ultimate uh, 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 blessing, the ultimate revelation, there is a tremendous concealment. But that's the birth pangs. <laughs> Now, once the baby is born, in Mitzrayim it was Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah, and the like, and in in, in, in now it's gonna be Mashiach. The next thing is the baby goes to nurse. What's the nursing? So the Talmud tells us an interesting thing. The Talmud says that when a mother nurses, she doesn't have any. She doesn't either have any nidash, Doesn't either have her, She doesn't get her period during that time either. Why? Talmud says that the blood is now converted and becomes milk. So I mean, the science of it, I'm not exactly sure, and I don't know what the, how you fit the Gemara with the science of nursing. But the idea behind it is as follows. The mother is responsible for the child. The child is born, mother is responsible for the child. Oh, by the way, let me read to you a pasuk. The pasuk says, this is a pasuk in, in Yeshaya. This is this is where it says. It says, Harinu, we became Kamoihara, just like a pregnant woman. Takriv that she's coming close to give birth she shudders. Tizak she cries out in her pains, in her labor pains. so we are, mi havaya from before you, God. We are before you, what does that mean? Harinu, we became pregnant. You see, it says so in the openly. we became, chalnu, we shuddered, kamoya ladnu, and it's like we're giving birth. So this is what the Navi says. So you see, it's, nearly staying over here. The Jewish people are experiencing this pregnancy and this birth. But what's the, what's the nursing? So I mentioned earlier the nursing. So the way he describes it over there is the Gemara says that the Ebershter did a special chesed to the human, the human being that were not like animals. Animals when they nurse, the nursing um, from where the child the, 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 the babies nurse from the mother but a human being, the nursing takes place next to the heart. And the Gemara and uh, the Talmud says that the bina, the place of understanding, the bina, the place of understanding. So what does that mean? We know that there are seven, sp- there are ten spheres, seven seven emotional spheres, three intellectual spheres. The three intellectual spheres are chachma bina das. Chachma is inter- understanding. I mean, chachma is is a wisdom. Bina is understanding. Usually, we, so we associate the intellectual faculties with the brain. Chachma on the right side. Bina, on the left side of the brain. Bina is the more analytical side of the brain. Chachm is the more creative side of the brain, which is on the right side of the brain. But in, in Zohar it says, Bina liba, Bina is in the heart. Okay, Bina. Why? Because the whole point of analytical power of the mind is that it enables us to digest something so much, an idea. People that are very creative, they can have super creative ideas, but they don't, if they don't have the ability to analyze it really well, they don't have analytical skills, these ideas remain wonderful, wonderful Powell's idea, but they never become reality. You need someone with the ability to analyze something and really, really break it down and, in order for something to be implemented, to be brought down. So the power of Bina is to break down an idea into its details, and from the details, be able to create an emotional response that it becomes this concept this idea becomes something that I relate to very deeply and therefore I get excited about and that's why it says in Kabbalah that Bina extends from the brain down to the heart so the mother Bina liba, the mother's heart that's that over there next to the heart is where the nursing takes place what does that really mean we take a look at the nursing of a child we say what happens to a child during the nursing period it's two years of nursing Okay. During the nursing period, the child, all the child eats is milk. What's the, what's the power of the milk? What the milk does to the child is it causes expansive speed growth. Usually, you know, children grow to a certain age, you know maybe to your teens, you grow, and then you stop growing. But the process of growing is like slows down dramatically. When a baby's a little baby, it doubles and then it triples, it quadruples itself, maybe even more than that in two years and then after that we don't have that quadrupling anymore baby you know you grow a few inches slowly every year depending on how tall the person is whatever but that's the growth it takes it starts moving on a much slower pace but initially it's like the first two years boom very 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 quickly very strong that's because that's because of the mother's milk milk has more than the milk nourishing nurturing the child and being nourishment it has the ability to take a miniature being and turn him into a human being. A full-fledged person. It takes it all from being small. The, a child is a concentrate. Is a human concentrate. He's got everything the human has but very small. And the, and the, and the nursing expands the child. That's the idea of nursing. So spiritually, so what does that mean? So, so how does that work? The, but why? What's the power? What's the power of the mother's milk? So what the milk really is, it's brain juice. What happens is, he explains, the blood goes up to the brain. And the brain, very, very thin, creates this very, he uses a word, a very, very thin juice. A very, mutz. Mitz, he uses a very thin um, liquid. A type of a very fine liquid, which eventually, as it descends, it's more of a spiritual power. And it descends and becomes, materialized and becomes milk. Basically what the mother is doing, doing for two years is she's the milk is made up very, very much of the mother's brain cells. Again, physically and scientifically, I don't know, but that's how it's described in the Hasidic the, the book, and I did not Google it to try to match it up with this. I'll leave that to you for you to figure it out so that you have your own uh, excitement in this whole thing. But I'm sure it matches up because it has to match up because Torah is truth. So there is a, a some element, so what you're really saying is the mother is emptying her brain into her child. That's why I mentioned the other time a lot of women complain that when they're nursing or once they have to have their baby, they've lost their brains. They lose their mind until they get it back. It's like during that time, like their mind, like their creativity, their mind, their ability, why well, it's just not there. And the reason for that is because you're basically feeding your brains to your child. So the child is getting all that brain power, brain, and that's creating such a development in this child and such a quick expansion. You never have a, 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 a substance that is so saturated with brain power like like the food that the that the that the that the baby gets from the mother and that's the meaning that he's eating bina bina makamalev bina's understanding and in general chachmah, the power of chachmah is a seed bina is the power to expand on something so that's the idea of the of the power of bina the mother's giving to the child is that expansion so what does it mean spiritually we said before, the baby that is born from God, from our union with God, from the exile, is the revelation of the Yud Kei When the Jewish people came out of Mitzrayim, they all cried out, this is God. They pointed with their fingers, Zekeli, this is our God. They perceived godliness in a very real way, but they were very immature in their ability to understand what they were seeing. They saw, they, 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 they had like pop, they were like, it's like a little child screaming, Daddy, that's what it was. When you speak to a little child and you explain to him, tell us about your father. He doesn't know anything. He knows All he knows is Abba. That's all he can say. All this one-year-old can say, Tati, Daddy. That's all this child can say. But he doesn't know much about it. When he gets older, he has an appreciation. Who's my father? This is the type of person he is. Why does he love me? What's my connection to him? He can appreciate, he can expand on it. But when you're a little child, you know nothing but the fact that this is your father. When we come out from exile. The godliness we produced and our relationship to it is in a very immature way. It's not developed. It's like a little baby that doesn't have doesn't have much. We don't have much expansion in it. So for that, we go to the land of Israel. And you know what happened to the Jewish people one day when they were in the land of Israel? The land itself nursed, nursed them. Being in the land of Eretz Yisrael and learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, it nursed them to expansion, and the Jewish people became had such spiritual capacity. We don't know the type of Yidden that lived in the land of Israel during the days of King David, and the time of Shlomo Melech, their intense spiritual broadness of experience and understanding. But as great as it was then, it's going to be much, much, much greater when Mashiach comes. When Mashiach comes, it says, Rambam says, that when he describes the days of Mashiach, he says are going to be Chachamim Gedolim. Jews are going to be great scholars, and they're going to know Dvarim astumim, They're going to know the concealed secrets. They're going to know God Adam according to the ability of man, meaning the highest level of knowing. They're going to know Hashem, and they're going to teach the rest of the world and the like. How are we going to become such expansive beings? Here's an amazing thing as dried up that we are now, we're so spiritually dried up, we're so like, <sniffs> squeeze, squeeze, I mentioned earlier, right before Mashiach comes, in a very short period of time, we are going to go from such limited capacity to such unbelievable, expansive capacity as after Mashiach comes, because Mashiach is going to take us and nurse us in the land of Israel. That nursing experience is going to be so unbelievable. There is going to be such an expansion. Basically, we won't believe, a year after Mashiach comes, we won't believe that we were the same, these are the same people. And the, the, the capacity, the knowledge, people, Jews who don't know anything about Yiddishkeit today, anything, are going to be greater mystics than the Arizal. I'm telling you this, no joke. People, you meet a guy on the street, knows nothing. After Mashiach, be a greater kabbalist than the greatest kabbalist that ever were, because the expe- the mother's milk that we're going to get once we come into Eretz Yisroel with the coming of Mashiach, the Eretz of Aschola the Dvash, we're going <coughs> to God, so to speak, is going to nurse us. The Shechina is going to nurse the baby. Interesting, he says that's the meaning of Higdil Hashem. Lasei Semele doesn't say. It says, God did something great with them. It says, Higdil Hashem. The meaning of that is, Higdil Yudke vavke, That the Yudke Vafke is going to become expanded. Now, the yutke when Mashiach comes, we'll be able, it's a narrow yudke vafke. Meaning we're looking at the yudke Vafke through a little keyhole. We're seeing just a little something. But Higdil Hashem, the Yudkei is going to become expanded and great. So we're going to be able to, HaYinu and it's going to be like a dream. It's going to be Unbelievable how far and how quickly we're going to reach such expansiveness in godly knowledge. Now to conclude, why does it also have, why do we say it's a land of milk and honey? We explain the milk, but what's the honey? What's the honey? So the idea is like this. We came out of the womb, that's Mitzrayim. We go to Eretz Yisroel. that's where we're nursing. Problem is like this. When you expose a neshama, to such intense godly revelation, it's very, very possible that the soul will not be able to remain in the body because of the ecstasy and the bliss and its experience of that which is beyond the world, time and space, the infinite light, might just suck the soul into its great revelation. And all nishamas or some souls, might just run away from bodies. And that's not what God wants. So in order to keep the body the soul together, God is going to release a powerful, powerful honey. What does honey do? Honey acts as a preservative. When you put something, when you put, when you when you want to keep something for a long time, you keep it in honey. And what and what does it mean to preserve something? To preserve something means to cause something to like concentrate, because naturally the nature of things is that. Th- Everything is made up from different cells, different things. The nature of of things, as time passes, everything gets loose. If you create, if you have a a bicycle, and you use the bike every day, what's gonna happen? It's gonna start getting loose. The chain is gonna get looser and looser and looser. Same as with a car, it gets looser. After a while, you need to tighten the screws, the bolts. Everything that's made up of few things together, they start, it, it starts getting looser as the more time passes. When you say, and that's what happens, why do things decay? Why does why does a thing get rotten or old or whatever? It's because the various different cells that are there start separating, and that's why things start breaking apart. Or the words in the words of the of the of the of the ancient philosophers, the four elements start coming apart. When you put it in honey, honey keeps them together. Keeps them. Spiritually, there is a spiritual honey that keeps our soul grounded in our body. Because without that powerful revelation of God's honey, of that devash as a preservative, our souls would escape the body. But that would be painful. Keeping the soul in a body would be painful because when the Neshama wants to go out, no. Part of that sweetness of the honey is the understanding and the appreciation that all the ecstasy and bliss that is to be experienced in the transcendental spiritual escape that the soul will run away from the body does not come close to the essence of God that's being revealed in the physical body of of our physical bodies. In other words, the honey will reveal to us that even greater than all all the great spiritual lights above is the essence of God that's contained in the essence of the physical world when the physical world is refined and purely, and, and one with Hashem, the essence of Hashem is revealed in the physical. So the soul won't want to leave the body. It's going to appreciate the sweetness of the body. So the honey comes to counter the milk. The milk creates this powerful appreciation of that which is beyond time and space, that which is outside of creation, and therefore the desire of the soul to like melt into that infinite light. The honey that we will have after Mashiach comes keeps us grounded down over here, so that we can experience and live as souls in the physical world, everlasting connection Tashem, forever and ever and ever and ever. May we merit to experience already that birth and that revelation, and the land and the, and the land of milk and honey, the way we've been waiting for for so many years, and may it happen now. Amen.